everyone, welcome back to Leo's Animal Planet, a podcast series about animal rights, animal conservation and wildlife. So last weekend, there were quite a lot of events to stop dolphin and whale captivity around the world. The movement is called Empty the Tanks. And it's a worldwide movement of um, people like you and me and many kids who are taking part in the campaign to stop dolphins and whales from being kept captive all around the world. I just can't understand how orcas, whales, dolphins captivity is still happening. With all the knowledge we have about these animals and how intelligent they are, the fact that we are still keeping these animals in tiny tanks when they would normally swim hundreds and hundreds of miles every single day. I just can't figure it out. And these tanks are not filled with seawater. They're filled with swimming pool water. Again, I just can't understand. They can't hunt. They're just being fed dead fish when they perform tricks. So even hunting fish, which is one of the basic parts for orcas and whales in the wild, this has been taken away from them. Two months ago, Kiska Norka, who had been kept captive for 45 years, died in Marini Lands in Canada. And that was obviously very, very sad. In total, it was believed that over 3,600 whales and dolphins remain in tanks around the world. But it's slowly changing. People like you and me are choosing not to visit these places, not to buy tickets to to see the dolphin and orcas shows because, well, This is not education. This is not conservation. This is very, very cruel and it needs to stop. Now in the UK, 2023 is a big year for us. It marks the 30 years anniversary since the last Dolphinarium closed down in the UK. So the UK has had no Dolphinariums for 30 years. And this happened because in the UK in the 1980s, some people saw what was happening in these places and decided to campaign to close them down. Amongst many campaigners, there were two absolutely amazing women who stood outside of the Dolphinariums and demanded the end of these terrible and cruel places. And they were Margot Dodds and Liz Sanderman. Today, I'm so happy because Margot Dodds, who campaigned against whale and dolphin captivity, is with us on this podcast. Margot, I'm so happy to have you on my podcast. So 2023 is a big year for you and for Marine Connection. It's the 30 years anniversary since the last dolphin era was closed down in the UK. And you were both involved in the campaigns to close the last UK marine parks. Many animal activists are campaigning to try and achieve this in their country. Could you tell us about the campaign you did 30 years ago? Hello, Leo. 
Thank you for the opportunity to take part in one of your fantastic super, super broadcasts. Um, I'm really pleased to be able to speak to you and your listeners today um, about the 30 year anniversary of the last Dolphinarium closing down in the UK. Firstly, for anyone not aware listening to the podcast, the collective name for whales, dolphins and porpoises is cetaceans. So you will hear me mention this word throughout the podcast so that you know what I'm referring to. So as I said in the UK, we used to have not only dolphins in captivity, but also orcas. Um, There were even travelling shows and at one point a dolphin facility in London's Oxford Street, if you can believe that. There were also two orcas on public display in a swimming pool at the end of a pier in Clacton in Essex. For the people holding and displaying these marine mammals, it was really, really big business. How did you campaign at the time? 30 years ago, campaigning was quite a lot different than it is today. Um, There was little or no social media. Campaigning was done on the ground. You had to be present outside facilities. And we only had paper leaflets and this type of medium Um, to use to outreach to the public. What made the difference? What I believe makes a difference to campaigns, what makes a real difference is commitment and visibility. For the UK campaigns, people were outside these facilities constantly spreading the message to the public. Also, there was a separate piece of legislation that had been brought into force advising on minimum space and conditions required for holding dolphins and whales in confinement. So this meant that remaining facilities were forced to adhere to these conditions and also as public opinion on the keeping of these marine mammals in captivity was changing, which meant that gate attendances were dropping. It was no longer financially viable for these facilities um, to meet these new regulations. Um, This, I believe, along with the dedication of the campaigners who were constantly present outside the facilities, raising public awareness to the impact that confinement has on these highly social marine mammals meant that the facilities were eventually forced with closure. What happened to the dolphins who were kept captive at the time in the UK? Um, The three dolphins, um, although three of the dolphins, Rocky from Marineland and Morecambe, plus Missy and Silver from Brighton Dolphinarium, were flown to the Turks and Caicos Islands for rehabilitation and eventual release. The dolphins from Windsor Safari Park and Flamingoland were not given that option by the owners and were flown out to other captive facilities in the Netherlands and Sweden. This did, however, mean that by March 1993, the last captive dolphins had left UK shores. And that is why This year, Marine Connection and others are celebrating this unique milestone in UK captive dolphin and whale history. Could you tell us about dolphin and whale captivity around the world? So the industry trading in dolphins and whales, um, holding them for display, is extremely profitable. There are over 3,000 dolphins, dozens of orca and beluga whales in captivity globally. The most common species held for public display are, of course, bottlenose dolphins and orcas, although there are other cetaceans also on display, um, including harbour and finless porpoises, 
plus other dolphin species, including a few hybrids, um, commersons, rough-toothed Atlantic spotted, white-sided Pacific and river dolphins. There is a huge variety. Where does it start? In Europe, Spain has the most facilities, having 11 in total, which hold cetaceans in captivity. Worldwide, over the last few years, China has built many facilities, with the majority of cetaceans being held there, being wild-caught animals, including orcas and beluga whales from Russia, and also dolphins from the notoriously cruel annual drive hunts in Taiji, Japan. Taiji is just awful. For the ones who may not know in Taiji in Japan, they catch dolphins there in a place called the Cove. And then they sell them to marine parks, basically. And they really need all our help and support in Taiji, Japan. We're going to take a little music break and we'll be back with Margot very soon. This song is called Stop the Grind and it's about dolphins and whales, hunts in the Faroe Islands and in Japan and dolphin captivity. And I'm going to dedicate this song to all my Stop the Grind friends, to Sea Shepherd UK, to Marine Connection and to all my friends in Taiji, especially Kunito. Wild and free. Let's empty the tanks, stop Taiji, and stop the grind. We're back with Margot from Marine Connection for this special podcast on dolphin captivity. Margot, we were just talking about the dolphin captions in Taiji and dolphin captivity. What effects does this have on the animals? These captures not only impact on the welfare of the individual animals removed from the wild, but it also impacts the members of the extended pod who are left behind. In captivity, these really social, highly intelligent marine mammals suffer both physical and psychological stresses. And all of this can lead to stress-related diseases and trauma, which can be chronic and sometimes sadly fatal. In captivity, these animals are also given medications to try to reduce stress and replace nutrients they miss from being fed dead food rather than live takes of prey that they would in the wild. We are seeing more and more dolphin areas opening around the world in China, for example. And there is one opening soon in Abu Dhabi at the end of the month. 
Yes, as for the, the new park in Abu Dhabi, um, it's being operated by SeaWorld. It is being, it is actually the world's largest multi-species aquarium and will hold over, I believe, 100,000 marine species. And although it is run by SeaWorld, they won't be displaying orca, but they will be displaying dolphins, sea turtles, walruses, sharks, and many, many species of fish. Where do the dolphins come from? Are they wild dolphins? Are they captive? In late 2022, the dolphins currently at the facility were transported from several SeaWorld parks in the USA, simply to stock Yas Island. On the run-up to the opening of the new park on May the 23rd, SeaWorld launched an extensive public media campaign along the 30-kilometre stretch on El Sheikh Zayed Road, um, which connects Abu Dhabi to Dubai. Um, the SeaWorld advertising totally dominates the area with billboards and digital screens advertising the new park with the tagline, the region's first marine life theme park. This is highly visible to traffic in both directions and SeaWorld are obviously working extremely hard to make sure the public are aware of the park's existence and obviously determined to make it a success as far as they're concerned. Dolphinariums are using the argument of education or conservation to justify keeping whales or dolphins captive. Why do you think this is not a valid argument? Oh yes, the, the education and conservation justification argument. Yeah, that is becoming even more and more to the fore these days as people question the ethics of keeping such large marine mammals in a captive environment for entertainment. But you have to understand that by seeing dolphins and whales or indeed any animal in an unnatural setting, you're not seeing the animal as it would naturally be in the wild, but a facsimile of it. Physically, they may look the same, but that's where the similarity between captive and wild ends. At Marine Connection, we believe seeing marine mammals in captivity actually promotes miseducation, creating a misleading public perception and understanding of the animal's nature and needs, teaching them it's acceptable to keep them confined for human use. Dolphin and whale shows are, um, in general, based on entertainment and provide um, very little true educational value or even address issues that these animals face in the wild, such as net entanglement, pollution and underwater noise. As for the conservation argument, um, very few animals that are bred and born in captivity are released back into the wild. Rather, they are retained by the industry as breeding or display stock. Indeed, as I said previously, dolphins and whales continue to be removed from the wild and traded to supply facilities. Therefore, I find it impossible to understand 
how conservation can be used as justification for keeping these marine mammals in captivity when they're being removed from populations or wild populations with little or no knowledge of how this capture and removal will impact on the population's future survival and welfare. Many people believe that as the UK has not had any captive dolphins and whales since 1993, that it is banned in this country. But it's not banned, is it? And you are now campaigning for a proper ban to be put in place by the UK government. Yes, it's true what you you say, Leo. Um, People in the UK and worldwide are often mistaken in the belief that the UK has banned the display of captive cetaceans, but it's certainly not the case. And it's not currently illegal to display dolphins or whales here. But since the last Dolphinarium closed in 1993, legislation has stopped short of an outright ban. And although welfare standards relating to the keeping and display of cetaceans in the UK is high, making any proposal for a new cetacean holding facility unwelcome, there's currently no law that would actually prevent it, meaning that the UK is still at risk of playing host to captive dolphins and whales through lack of clear legislation. And at Marine Connection, we believe this cannot remain unchallenged. To this end, we're working to persuade the government that in order to ensure that the UK retains its status as a country free from facilities holding cetaceans captive for public display, that a ban is well overdue. But um, we're aware that this won't happen overnight, as forming any new legislation is a long process. However, we do believe a ban is vital and Marine Connection will work tirelessly to see this become a reality. Well, that was amazing to have you with us today, Margot. Thank you so much to you, Liz and Marine Connection, and thank you for all the work you do. Thank you, Leo, for the opportunity of addressing these very important issues that you've raised in today's podcast. I hope that I've managed to successfully answer your questions. However, if any of your listeners would like further information on this issue and indeed Marine Connection's ongoing work to end captivity globally, please visit our website marineconnection.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much, Margot! Thank you very much everyone for listening. Thank you. Well, that was amazing to speak to Margot and Marine Connection. Remember, every little action makes a difference. You can campaign to close dolphinariums, or you can explain to your friends why they shouldn't go, why this is not conservation or education. If we stop buying these tickets to see these shows, well, these places are forced to close. Thank you for listening to this podcast, guys. Remember to follow me on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and you can give me a good rating if you like it as well. I'm hoping to raise money for animals with this podcast. So every like, every follow really, really helps. Have a lovely day and I'll see you soon. Bye.